Good morning, TCC family. I hope you had some good family time this weekend and that you and your family took time to celebrate the gift that is our Savior Jesus. If you did, you likely got some good perspective on the true blessings of this life. I suppose some of you are like me. Uh, maybe you've already been reflecting on what has been a crazy 2020. Maybe you're considering just what 2021 might look like, how it will unfold, uh, just how much influence any of our individual actions might have on how it actually turns out. Well, though it seems like we are sometimes insignificant in the scheme of things, our lives do matter in this world, and they matter in the lives of others, and especially and even to God. At the end of our passage in Luke 2 that we've been studying, we come across two characters who make their appearance in the final acts of the Christmas drama. Turn to Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles or in your Bible apps, and, and one of these characters is a man named Simeon, and the other is a woman named Anna. Now both, I suppose, seem from day to day rather insignificant with their lives or in their society. They don't appear in any nativity scenes. Um, they aren't on any Christmas cards. <laughs> but they add to Joseph and Mary's confirmation of the identity of their son, Jesus. When we meet them, both were waiting for something. Actually, they were waiting for someone. Now stick with me for a minute. Do you remember 13 years ago when the movie The Bucket List, starring Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, uh, was released? Jack Nicholson was a rich corporate executive. Morgan Freeman was a mechanic. And they meet in a hospital as both of them are diagnosed with a terminal illness. Nicholson's character is grumpy. He's angry about his condition. Freeman's character is more hopeful more positive, and they decide to leave the hospital, embark on a journey to fulfill their bucket list. Okay? A bucket list is a thing, list of things that they want to do before they, quote, kick the bucket, right? Now, I don't know what the Hebrew term for bucket is, but I know that these two characters in our text today had a bucket list. They had one wish, actually, before they died. They wanted to see the Messiah. Now, Luke uses a Greek word of anticipation okay, that identifies them as waiting with expectation for the coming of the Messiah or the Savior. It, it literally means they were alert to his appearance or they were ready to welcome him. I liken it to the old Heinz ketchup commercial with Carly Simon's song Anticipation playing in the background. They were waiting for the Messiah with anticipation. And to provide the setting for their meeting of the child Jesus, God uses the obedience of his faithful parents. Now, Mary and Joseph are going to fulfill the requirements that any Jewish parents would fulfill when they gave birth. And we get to watch how God uses their faithfulness for his purposes. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. 
when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, three important rituals are taking place here in accordance with the Old Testament law. First, every male child was required to be circumcised on the eighth day. Okay? This physical mark identified a Jewish male as belonging to God. To reject circumcision was to reject God himself. And second, since contact with blood created ritual uncleanness, the law required that a ceremony of purification for women after childbirth take place. According to Leviticus 12, the birth mother was required to wait 33 days after the circumcision of her son before presenting herself at the temple for her purification. So there's some time between those two events in our text here. Okay? Now there's some speculation as to why Joseph is there for that particular part. Some feel that because Joseph would have assisted in the delivery since it took place in a barn or a cave, he too was required to be purified. And then third, the law also required that a mother and father present their firstborn son before the Lord to be redeemed by the offering of a sacrifice. Noteworthy here is that the offering of the birds for sacrifice that we read about in our text, as opposed to a lamb, was the offering mainly allowed for followers of God who were poor. Now, we need to step back and realize something profound here. What Mary and Joseph were doing was what every devout Jewish family did. We know the scriptures tell us of the great faith of Mary and Joseph. It was why they were chosen, and God knew they would carefully care for his son, or faithfully care for him. Let's remember, however, in, in the eyes of everyone else, they were just a common, ordinary couple coming to the temple with their child. But what unfolds next no one could have foreseen except God himself, as this trio meets a man named Simeon who had been faithfully patient. Simeon, as we will see, was a man filled with hope. Now, hope is defined as the expectation of something happening. It's very different from wishing or dreaming, because with hope, there's a true belief that what you're hoping for will really happen. Hope is what children experience on Christmas night that keeps them awake, right? Do you remember as a child being so excited about Christmas morning that you could hardly stand it? You knew it was coming, but you could hardly wait for it to get here. That's, that's hope. Now consider this as we read in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 35. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation or the salvation of the people of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms 
and praise God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now you may dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be broken or spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now we have to remember that things weren't going very well for the nation of Israel at this time. They hadn't heard from God for 400 years since the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. They were being dominated under Roman rule. They'd lost their political independence. They were living in fear of King Herod, and, and many were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. So by the Spirit, Spirit Simon, sorry, by the Spirit Simeon came into the temple just at the time that the parents of Jesus brought him in. This was God's perfect timing, yet it was also contingent upon everyone's obedience. The parents were doing what the law required. And Simeon was moving where and when the Spirit directed. As we read, Simeon was a devout follower of God. And God had revealed to him previously that he wouldn't die before he saw the Messiah. So Simeon, he took the baby Jesus in his arms. What a privilege. He blessed God and spoke words which were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Then Simeon asked the Lord to dismiss him because what God had promised had surely been fulfilled. Simeon was ready to go on to glory because he had finished his, well, he'd finished his bucket list. And, of course, Joseph and Mary marveled at what was being said about their child Jesus. I think this part of our text begs the question for us. Why are some people more spiritually sensitive than others? I mean, have you noticed that the godly people in touch with God's heart are often expectantly waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. The Bible doesn't tell us when this information was revealed to Simeon. We don't know how long he'd been waiting. It could have been months, years, even decades, regardless of how long it had been. I get the feeling that Simeon had been waiting for a long time for God to fulfill this promise. Listen, uh, let me remind us that waiting can be such a hard thing for us to do. <laughs> and when it's combined with spiritual sensitivity, in other words, when we're waiting on God, I think the challenge only intensifies. As a result, many people just check out. I mean, after all, when our schedules are maxed out, when our agendas are full, when our quiet time has been abandoned, when the tyranny of the urgent rules our lives, we don't leave any time to wait for anything. We live among a people who want their problems solved immediately and their desires met as soon as they have them. And if we don't work hard to, to push back against this in our own lives, hey, we're going to live in the same way. 
I think this at least in part answers the question, why are some people more spiritually sensitive than others? Well, how about you? Are you willing to wait on God for His purposes and His timing to unfold? If you're not willing to wait on God, you're likely not going to see Him at work. How many times do we cry out for God to deliver us when we are in need? How many times do we turn to the scriptures and read the promises that God answers prayer and so we pray? And how many times do we miss what God is doing because we give up or we move on or we stop waiting for God's answer? Simeon waited patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. And as a result, he experienced something special. As we turn back to our text, we find our final character. Her name is Anna. And she shows us the result of being faithful in prayer. Now, we don't know a lot about Anna. And we have a summary of her family background and her life in the present as it was written when we read in Luke 2, beginning verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, from the wording, we don't really know if Anna was 84 or if it had been 84 years since her husband had passed and she was now over 100. Okay? What we do know is that Anna's husband had died and that she had dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. In fact, the Bible says she never left the temple, that she worshiped day and night. She was looking forward to the same person as Simeon, but with a different orientation. Instead of looking for salvation that would bring consolation or comfort, Anna was looking for salvation for Israel through the forgiveness offered by the Messiah. Remember she said in verse 38, it says that she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Anna gave thanks to God. And she spoke to all who were waiting for redemption. Here at last was the one who would save his people from their sins, the promised Messiah, the Savior. Evangelist Luis Palau once wrote, and he said, there are five ways that God answers prayer. He says, sometimes he answers, no, I love you too much. But more times than we realize, he said, God delights in answering our prayers. And when he answers yes, the answer can come in one of four ways, he says. First, yes, I thought you'd never ask. Or yes, but you'll have to wait. Perhaps it's yes, but not what you expected. Or yes, and here's more. That's what God did for Anna. She did have to wait. She made it a priority to per persevere in, in passionate prayer. But not only did God answer in a way that she would have never expected, 
His answer was far more than she could have ever conceived of, as the Messiah not only came to deliver his people, but the entire world. And she was privileged to see him when he was brought to the temple that day. Now beyond this, let me suggest that Anna reminds us that sometimes our most productive years of service spiritually to God come after our most productive years of vocational service. Now I don't recommend waiting until you retire to begin serving God, but neither do I believe that God wants us to retire from His service even when we retire from work. In fact, I don't think God ever wants us to retire from his service. Now, COVID has skewed our view a bit, right? And certainly some people must be more cautious than others right now. But before COVID and after COVID, and need I remind you that during COVID, there's work to be done for God and his kingdom. This pandemic might frame the kind of work that can be done, but I'm here to tell you that it's only increased the workload for kingdom people. It's harder work now, but people have an even greater need to be connected with others as isolation and depression and loneliness and distorted thinking have created a challenge for people to connect with others. And listen, you don't age out of loving people. When I connect this back to our text, it's when we're like Anna, faithful in our prayer life, that we know how God wants us to actually live our life. Now, as we take a step back and kind of think about our text today, let me remind you that faithful parents okay, and being faithfully patient and being faithful in prayer needs means nothing without their object being a faithful God. As we close 2020 and walk either timidly or confidently into 2021, depending on how you're wired, let's move forward knowing that we are doing so with our faithful God. How we live has changed for now, and in some ways perhaps forever. However, the principles that guide our life, they've not changed. The Spirit who engages us and leads us has not changed. The way of salvation has not changed, and the need for salvation has not changed. God spoke, and Mary moved. God spoke and Joseph moved. God spoke and the shepherds moved, as did Simeon and Anna. And God is still speaking today. The question is, are you moving? Friend, when God prompts you to do something, then you need to do it. It might very well mean salvation for some of you. It might mean full surrender for others. Or maybe the Spirit wants you to be more involved in in serving and loving people, do you sense him asking you to do something right now? Are you moving? If you know what to do, then do it. If you need help, use the Connect card and reach out to us today. We're watching this with you. We're ready to help. Reach out right now. Listen, rise up church. God has commissioned us to faithfully go forward into this lost world with a message of hope 
and salvation and life. I don't know what this next year looks like, but I hope that you, like me, know who is the Lord of it. Let's make sure we position our hearts and lives to be faithful to God as we move ahead.